Why are you doing this? The Council didn't trust me. So how can I trust myself? What about me? I believed in you. I stood by you. I know you believe in me, Anakin. And I'm grateful for that. But this isn't about you. I can't stay here any longer. Not now. The Jedi Order is your life. You can't just throw it away like this. Ahsoka, you are making a mistake. Maybe. But I have to sort this out on my own. Without the Council. And without you. I understand. More than you realize, I understand wanting to walk away from the Order. I know. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hawk, our hosts, Carl LeClaire, Jason Hunt, and Katie Horn, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. This is episode number 375, Lady Tano. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Anakin Skywalker and Ahsoka Tano to my Obi-Wan Kenobi, we've got Carl LeClaire and Emily Pelletier. Hey, guys. Oh, oh geez. Show's going to be uh, interesting with snips over here. Yeah, okay, Sky Guy. Oh, Anakin. Oh, Anakin. You really must rein in your apprentice. Uh, Yeah. Emily's been on the show before, folks. For those of you like, wait, who's this person and why is it not Katie? Well, Katie's still out for now, but we got got somebody coming back. Um, Emily, uh, remind everybody what you came on to talk about with us last time you were here. Uh, last time I was here was over the summer, and we talked about martial arts and Star Wars. Yeah, that was a fun time. It was. That was a blast. Emily also is the president of the Star Wars Club at the college I work at, which is pretty wild. So she gets yes. talked about a lot on this show. Carl brings her up a, le- a lot. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think Emily and I are both pretty bummed that we're not going to get to play out that Star Wars trivia contest that we came up with for the club. I I was so excited to do that. And then classes and everything got moved online. Damn you, coronavirus. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yes. And then coronavirus. Yep. Um, But I'm excited that you're on, Emily, because I I really enjoy Ahsoka Tano, but I know you really love Ahsoka Tano. So I'm excited to have a conversation with you and I I guess Jason about Lady Tano. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) I'm just kidding, buddy. Um, (sighs) 
but it's kind of it's it's exciting time. We've got her back now. You know, th- these last two arcs of the Clone Wars are going to focus specifically on Ahsoka and kind of wrapping up her arcs within the Clone Wars TV show, um, which is obviously again interesting. We know she obviously survives everything because she's in Rebels and. And all that, but uh, we figured it'd be a, a pretty good time to just sit down and talk a little bit about this character, her arc, how she's grown, and and, and what she's kind of meant to us um, as this kind of powerful uh, Dave Filoni created Star Wars character. Um, you know, I think it's great that he's finally getting the opportunity to finish the story he obviously started with her back in Jeepers two thousand and eight, I think. Um, yeah. So it's been a while. So it's it's so exciting that we we get her back. And obviously, just this past week, we had the first episode of her um, finding a life for herself after the the leaving the Jedi Order. So I can't wait to see how the rest of this arc plays out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm I'm very curious. Uh, it, it's a big chunk of of you know her story that we haven't had a chance to see yet, and I'm very excited to see it. You know, we've got little hints and ideas of what it was, you know, a little bit from the Ahsoka novel and and things like that. But it's going to be really good to finally see see what these last two arcs have for her. Uh, I'm very excited. Yeah. And this is the first part that we see her in after she's left the Jedi Order. So we get to see how she's adjusting to life outside of the Order. Not not great yet, apparently. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, not yet. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe a, this is a, this is a nice little reflection for all of us adjusting to life outside of our normalcy right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, with all the meet up a couple of bad guys for your new friends. What? Oh, yeah. Meet up a couple of bad guys for your new friends. Sure, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who 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 beat up bad guys? Soka did. Okay. When? In the last episode. Oh, I don't know. I she like... beat up the. Uh, Two enforcers for the guy that was that came oh, to collect right. money from the. That's right. Yes. Yep. Forgot about that. Shows how well I paid attention. <laughs> Good job paying attention. Uh, Carl's had a few things going on, so this is why Emily's here. Um, yes. Keep us honest. But before we hop into our conversation about Ahsoka, just a reminder that we this will be the last week of the This Is Madness tournament. Um, so when this when this airs, which will obviously be on a Thursday. Um, this is going to be the day of the final. So we're going to give you the last, we'll give you the end of the week to, to vote on the final matchup. But, uh, most for the most part, I think I've been spot on with my guesses of how the Larians would pick. I don't think I've gotten anything wrong yet. I have to double check, but, um, I feel like I know folks pretty, pretty well who listen to the show and, and that makes me happy. Um, (laughs) I mean, obviously my personal picks are far from close, but, uh, Um, poor Embo got annihilated by Maul, which I'm not surprised, but um, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, so, that one. But that one wasn't close. I did vote. I, I think I voted for Embo on that one. I don't remember though. I think like three people did, but <laughs> I think I did. Good. Yeah, we have like three here. Yeah, yeah, he's so much more compelling than Maul. Come on, Maul's just—he's <laughs> just there. Just yeah, always angry and complains. Um, okay. <laughs> Katie's, okay, Carl. Katie's not here to force choke me. So, <laughs> um, uh, you watch it. You say that loud enough, and she'll come roaring back I, just to, know, just to put you in your place. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's that's the only like big, you know. And once the the matchup is is 
So when this is madness wraps up at the end of this week, we'll go back next week to doing polls and matchups as as normally um, yes. done. And uh, again, to all of you on Facebook, I apologize you weren't able to participate. Um, you will be able to participate in the final. I am going to make a uh, – again, I, I am going to post it to Facebook for the final because we, we'd love to have more people participate at least in the final. And I apologize that obviously you weren't able to have a voice in the, the rest of the tournament. But hey, at least you'll get to vote on the final, which again, my prediction, which is shaking out just like I predicted, it's going to be Anakin versus Maul in the final. Um, that, that's, that's as of um, – I mean – Anakin certainly has already won. Um, Din Djarin is up right now on Shakti. There's no way he's not beating Shakti. <laughs> um, and the Emperor is cr- currently clobbering Krennic, um, sadly, for my my friend Ben. I know he's very probably bummed about that. But uh, it's probably going to be Emperor Maul, and Maul will take that, and then Anakin, Din Djarin. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I think, well, I, I think Anakin will probably beat... Din Djarin, pretty, yeah, not, I won't say handily, but it'll be a significant margin. I do think Maul and Palpatine is going to be the, are going to be close, um, but I don't know. I don't know how that'll shake out. I know how I want that to shake out, but we'll <laughs> see. Yeah. Emily, I'm sad that the Mudhorn didn't make it further. I know. I am too. I was so excited when you gave that recommendation when we, when we were putting that together. I was so excited to put the Mudhorn on here. I, I don't know how people voted for Krennic over the Medhorn, but you know what? <laughs> I mean, come on. The Medhorn would run over Krennic. Like, come like, on. Yeah, and I then mean, Krennic would freak out because he's got mud on his nice white cape. Like, <laughs> the Medhorn should have taken that. Well, you see, you get you get a freaked out Krennic over his cape, and he's just going to start, you know, like throwing everything he's got at the Medhorn. So, you know, he's going to be like, you ruined my cape! This is my cape, not yours! You know. <laughs> The Mudhorn won't care. He'll just run him over. But um, yeah, it's been it's been it's been really fun, and I'm really excited. We have another. I'm just going to hint at it now because it's still a month away. But coming up, because May is a big Star Wars month, right? It's it's May the fourth at the beginning of the month. It's it's all things Star Wars in May. So we have a a really exciting tournament coming for you in May. So just keep in tune for that. So I'm super excited about this one. Um, but anyway, Lady Tano, Ahsoka Tano, a character yes. that was introduced to us in a very interesting theatrical Star Wars movie, to say the least. Uh, it's, to be fair, the only one I never saw in theaters. Um, and it wasn't for any malicious reason. I, it, was the, it came out in 2008, which was the summer I moved to Boston. And uh, Emily, you were what, like eight years old? <laughs> I was 10. Okay, close. <laughs> <laughs> Off by two years, but yeah, close. Did you yeah. see it in theaters, Emily? Uh, no, I didn't. The Force Awakens is the first Star Wars movie that I saw in theaters. Wow. Well, you are. I, J- Jason, you saw it? I saw it in theaters, yeah. Did, did you enjoy uh, it? I did. I mean, I knew – I didn't know what to what to expect, but you know, I, I tried to go in without any – you know, reservations or anything like that or any preconceptions, but I enjoyed it. And it's one of those things where um, it definitely felt like three episodes of a TV show Mm. rather than a movie. Um, And so when I just sort of like take it as the first three episodes of the series rather than a movie per se, I enjoyed a lot better, Um, but I enjoyed it. It was, it was, you know, quirky and, kind of interesting and fun and we got this new character and everyone was like what the heck's all what's the heck hex and ahsoka um i just remember the whole thing uh being the, the big thing in 2008 was you know not only 
that Ahsoka was the the Padawan, but that wait, Anakin had an apprentice. What is this? This is just radically changing everything. And now here we are, twelve years later, and we're like, yeah, of course he had a Padawan. What are you talking about? Mm. Um, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I know it, it was it was definitely one of those things where it was a little jarring. I was enjoying it, but I didn't know what was happening. You know, I didn't know, know what to expect from it. And Ahsoka just sort of – I was more irritated with Ahsoka for calling R2 R2-y than Anakin Sky Guy. So <laughs> that shows where my priorities are. <laughs> <laughs> I like that I like that she calls him Sky Guy. I think that's cool. I'm with you on the R2-y. It's very, very childish. But she's also yeah, yeah. a child. He's also so. like 14. Right. Yeah. Like 13, exactly. 14. Ahsoka's yeah. only like 13 or 14 in the Colin Wars movies. So like, yeah, she's a kid. Yeah, and and she's very much a kid, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I know. The first time I watched it, I I watched it not long after it had left theaters. Um. I I downloaded it and watched it one night in my apartment, and I was like, wow, that wasn't very good at all. Um. And uh, you know, I I didn't feel the need to like rail on it. I just I didn't care. I was like, I didn't really like that. So it it made me not want to watch the TV show though, to be honest. And I didn't get into the show till years after it had come out. Because, again, the movie just, like, turned me off enough that I was like, eh, not interested. I didn't like Ahsoka, though. I didn't like her in the movie. I found her very obnoxious, very annoying, um, which I think is, again, like, kind of the point. And I know that a lot of fans kind of share that sentiment that when you first met Ahsoka, there's something, like you said, Jason, kind of jarring about her. Um, And yet she's grown on almost every fan. I mean, there are certainly still fans that don't care for her, but I would say the general consensus of the fandom is that she's very much beloved. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, she even tops a lot of, you know, favorite character lists or, or gets pretty high on a lot of favorite character lists at this point. Um, but I mean, you know, she was brash and reckless and kind of disrespectful and all this stuff at first. And it was like, what are you... Who are you, child? You know, <laughs> why are you, child? You know, it was like, what? what? That was definitely the experience at first. Now, Emily, being, you know, 10 at the time, did you did you watch it as it was coming out? When did you start watching uh, Clone Wars? Uh, we have it, still have it on DVD. So I only watched it when it came out on DVD. Um, and then me and my brothers did watch the TV series when it came out. And I loved Ahsoka. When everything, when the 2008 movie and the series started, I loved her. Um, I would have been in fifth grade at the time, and me and a bunch of my friends would play Clone Wars at recess, and I always played Ahsoka. Nice. Yeah, like the brash recklessness to a 10-year-old, that was pretty cool. And so, yeah, that's why I fell in love with her. Yeah. I mean, and to be fair, she hasn't really lost that so much as just sort of channel it uh, differently um yeah so it's been tempered more and she's able to like focus it more into what really matters instead of just widespread chaos (laughs) (laughs) yes yes widespread chaos very good oh man but that that first season or so of clone wars was just very interesting for all of us with ahsoka trying to figure her out and why is she here? Um, and I mean, obviously, the the idea given to us in the movie is that, you know, she's there to help teach Anakin. And she is definitely the right Padawan for Anakin in that regard. Um, it, so, uh, yeah. 
Sorry, I didn't mean to step on your toes. I thought you were going to say something, Carl. I was, and you stepped all over my toes, but it's okay. Um, It's all right. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah, you know, I think kind of what you said right at the beginning there is, you know, I think the thing that was most jarring is that Anakin has a Padawan, and this is it? (laughs) Like, (laughs) this is your Padawan, really? Um, You know, and I I think that that was a bold move to make by taking this particular type of character and pairing her with Anakin, making her Anakin's apprentice. Um, and I think, you know, when you're looking at this through the lens of, oh, the Anakin Skywalker story, you know, what does she come to represent? Well, she comes to represent, like, someone that he deeply cares about in the same way that he would Obi-Wan or Padme. Um, I mean, differently, of course, but... And that's going to play on his emotions, right? That's kind of what she's there for in regards to him, is... It shows that he is capable of training somebody, and yet he's really not capable of letting things go. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think for Ahsoka, I think she kind of has this this rawness about her. Like her raw form is this kind of smart mouthed kid who you know isn't afraid to dish it right back to these Jedi masters and Anakin and Obi Wan. Um, but at the same time, she's definitely very formed by Anakin's own personality, right? I mean, he's obviously a rule breaker and, um, you know, that that sense of kind of laissez-faire about certain things within the Jedi Order is very much part of who Ahsoka is as well. Yeah, that's that's definitely for sure. She She picks up on a lot of his habits and... Uh, quirks and things like that, um, and they they definitely do become thick as thieves and partners in crime, especially when it comes to, let's say, uh, bending the rules of the Jedi Council. You know, um, I mean, and we we see that almost immediately in the first season when uh, she wants to go search for uh, Plo Koon after in the Malevolence arc uh, when Plo Koon's fleet has been destroyed. And she's like, but we have to go. And she just she outright just questions the you know Yoda, Mace Windu, and the Chancellor to their face. Like, what what are you talking about? We, we're going to go do this, right? Um, and Anakin's like, all right, stop. And then he takes her anyways when she thinks that they're just going to go, you know, do what the fleet's supposed to do. And she's like, wait a minute, what's all this? He's like, yeah, it's how you do it, not you know, and and, <laughs> and how you present it, you know. It's like, oh, okay. And then she started picking up on that. And yeah, that was, they were definitely two peas in a pod. And he just showed her the least painful way to, to address some of these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I find Ahsoka too early on. Uh, she has a little bit of the attributes of both Obi-Wan and Anakin because she is, especially early on, like probably any youngling would be very loyal to the order, very loyal to the cause, right? Which is a very Obi-Wan trope. Um, you know, just kind of this, this allegiance to uh, a system. Uh, but she also has Anakin's deep loyalty, loyalty to people, right? Yeah. Um, so she kind of has this mix of Anakin and Obi-Wan, not to say that that's all she is, but it's very clear that her, her, uh, her kind of consistent presence around the two of them their own attributes have obviously uh, kind of um, 
infiltrated her a bit. Yeah. Influenced her. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, do you have any more thoughts on early Ahsoka, Emily? Um, not particularly because I don't remember all of that very well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was like 10, 11 when those seasons came out and I skipped when I was rewatching Clone Wars last year or something, I'd skipped most of the first seasons cause I remembered it. So yeah, it's sure. not a whole lot that I remember, but it's good. It's, it is good stuff. Um, yeah. and it gives us a rooting in where, um, Ahsoka ends up going because her loyalties to the Jedi order and to Anakin influence her later on down the road. And so I think it's good in the first season that they set up the groundwork for her arcs later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think the thing that com- that I find most compelling about Ahsoka, even during just the Clone Wars in general, just the, the, the show in, in its entirety, is uh, we're being introduced to a, a kind of main character Jedi who's literal, like, being grown up and, and raised in a, in a war, right? Yeah. Obi-Wan is a, a product of the High Republic. Even Anakin early on is a product of, you know, kind of this different type of Jedi order. But by the time Ahsoka is given to Anakin, I mean, she's literally given to him in the midst of a battle. Um, and she is this character who is, uh, I, this is a question Katie used to ask all the time when we were doing our journey to Rise of Skywalker, uh, which, which was, you know, what does it mean to be a Jedi? And I think that's such a wonderful question. And um, this is something that Ahsoka answers in a very different way. Even though we've seen the Jedi doing all these things, Ahsoka is a clear reminder that in this era, a Jedi is a warrior, right? As a general, as a commander, because I think she's Commander Tano in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right? So she – it's a very unique place for a Jedi. She's a Jedi warrior first and foremost. You know, Attack of the Clones begins with Mace Windu saying, we're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. Ahsoka is a soldier. Um, yeah. More than a peacemaker or peacekeeper, I would say. Right. Yeah. So she's really showing us that distinction of what kind of Jedi she is. She is very aggressive. Um, you know, I think part of that is being paired with Anakin, but I think that's also just part of her own natural inclination uh, is Ahsoka's often thought is immediately like, let's jump into action. Let's whip out my lightsabers and, and go to work. Right. She she kind of has fight first negotiate second like which you would think the old model of being a jedi before the clone wars was let's always negotiate as much as we can fight when necessary but ahsoka kind of flips that and says let's fight and then if they're willing to negotiate fine but ahsoka always seems very quick to take up arms yeah which is definitely a product of being you know like christophus is on the front lines she's thrown in at 14 years old to the front lines uh, where it's most dangerous and yeah her inclination towards always fighting first is definitely indicative of you know what kind of jedi she is yeah you you can just imagine that before being paired with anakin um you know she was just a terrible troublemaker you know amongst <laughs> all the younglings and things like that you know just Always getting in trouble or getting other younglings in trouble, um, causing fights in the mess hall or something like that, you know. Uh, but yeah, no, it, she's she definitely is act first, think second uh, kind of person. Um, not 
not exclusively to the extent that Anakin is, um, but she definitely uh, prefers action to words, yeah. um, at least initially. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, and something else I find very in, kind of compelling about her character is Ahsoka is a very anxious character um, in the Clone Wars, uh, and and I think one of my favorite episodes of the Clone Wars in general, and specifically of Ahsoka, is the episode "Lightsaber Lost," where she's goes on the mm. mission with um, uh, Tara Sanube. Yes. Oh my God! What a great Jedi. Um, Lord, who? I was just resting my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that episode, I think, is... And again, I think in a lot of ways, Ahsoka is kind of a personification of the Jedi during the Clone Wars, right? Any sort of Jedi who's going to be a Padawan or a youngling during the Clone Wars is going to kind of have that act first, think second, you know? mentality Mm -hmm. and i love that particular episode so much because we see a jedi of the of yesteryear trying to teach her what it really means to be a jedi which is simply you know slow down relax think right it's a lot of what anakin or obi-wan says to anakin it it, you know in in attack of the clones you know Mm -hmm. use the force think (laughs) i'm trying master (laughs) Try harder to act, Hayden. He went in there to hide, not to run. Yes, Master. <laughs> Try not to lose it. Sorry, oh. Master. <laughs> this weapon anyway. is your life. I try, yes, Master. <laughs> anyway. Um, yes. So, anyway, yeah. But, like, clones. Ahsoka is, you know, in that episode, right? She is this very anxious, unsettled character. And what uh, Terry Sanube is trying to teach her is how to be centered in the Force, how to be more grounded in the Force. And which, the thing that I love about Ahsoka is, is as we'll continue to talk about her, though, specifically in um, the novel, which I love, and as well as Rebels, is she becomes that character. She is this character who's very kind of calm and grounded in the Force. Um, but in her younger years, she really struggles with that. Um Excuse me. And I think that it makes sense because of the circumstances in which she's being trained as a Jedi. Um, All of her trials are combat trials, right? Um, So she's in a very unique spot. Um, Yeah. And and I think, again, you know, that probably speaks to a lot of young people. Not not just young people, but anyone who has anxiety. I feel like that particular episode is, is really great because Ahsoka is also someone with a lot of anxiety and she's learning how to be a Jedi in light of that. You know, not in spite of it, not like it's something evil and bad or like it's a path to the dark side. That's never once said, but it's just, hey, you know, Ahsoka, you need to calm down a little bit. Relax, you know, and, yeah. and she's kind of learning that lesson there. She gets a lot of training from other Jedi throughout the series, yeah. especially early on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she she goes on a mission with Luminara. She gets paired up with uh, Plo Koon and uh, Ayla Sakura when Anakin's out of commission. Uh, you know, Terra Sanube, Jocasta Nu, you know, things like that. She gets paired with all these different Jedi and kind of gets the, you know, Barris Ophie, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Early on, yeah. you know, which that comes back in a not so pleasant way later. Um, but uh, you know, they 
she gets paired with all these Jedi who have different uh, ideas and ways of thinking and acting and doing things. And, you know, it, it, the first one that she gets is with, L- with Luminara when, you know, they're interrogating Newt Gunray. And she literally lightsaber to throat yeah. threatens Newt Gunray in front of Luminara. And Luminara is like, what are you doing? And literally yanks her away. He's like, violence is not a, a weapon the Jedi use. And so it's like, I wasn't being serious. I'm just, you know, and you could just see Luminara like. Putting her hand or oh, head going. Oh gosh, this is what Anakin's teaching her. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, oh, this is not going well. Um, but yeah, you know, it was. It's just one of those things where you know, over her years, she gets, you know, trained and and gets lessons from all these other Jedi, which really kind of help shape her as well. Um, in addition to just the the training and instruction she gets from Anakin and Obi Wan, because Obi Wan's almost like a you know, uncle master um, in a way. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Emily, were you going to say anything about her fighting style here early on, or are you waiting till a different time to mention her combat? Um, I mean, I could talk about her combat as a Padawan now. Um, she's you know fourteen at the beginning of this. She's a teenager throughout the Clone Wars, and she's easily one of the most skilled lightsaber combatants in the Clone Wars period. Even before she gets to um, be Anakin's Padawan. Um, she's mastered, um, the reverse grip, um, which is in Star Wars called the Sheen form of form five and a reverse grip is really hard on a longer blade. The balance is wonky and different. Um, and it's just harder to do. Um, and she's mastered that by like 14, 15 years old. And she ends up using that against like Banging guards, she can hold her own against Asaz Ventress, she can hold her own against Grievous multiple times. Ahsoka is easily the best lightsaber combatant in Star Wars, in my opinion. <laughs> and that's just when she's a Padawan. That's before she starts being able to dual weld. That she gets even better then. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think we really start getting her her growth as a character, you know, about the time that she starts dual wielding. Um in the Definitely. series, you know, we uh, we get the Mortis arc where, you know, she gets wound up in some really big things that nobody really fully understands. And then at the end of season three, she gets kidnapped by Trandoshans and, you know, put yeah. on this this island uh, as as prey to be hunted. And she has to find a way to, you know, gather everyone who's there together, you know, younglings and Chewbacca in order to find a way to escape and get back to the Jedi Order. You know, and uh, she really starts to to grow and make big steps in her own character arc um, right around that time. Yeah, especially because, like, dual wielding isn't something that a lot of Jedi use. You know, it's not something that Anakin does. It's not something Obi-Wan does. It's not something Plo Koon does. Like, none of the Jedi that she's in regular contact with dual wield. So it's something that's uniquely hers. Mm. Uh-huh. That I think is really cool. Yeah. That is really cool. Never thought about it like that. I like that. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, in in episodes like you were mentioning where she's captured by Trandoshans, we also get a sense even early on that Ahsoka is kind of a natural leader too. Right? Yeah. And that's something we'll see pay off a bit more, especially when we get to things like Rebels. Um, Ahsoka is a very confident character. 
in a lot of ways, I would say. I think that's why she sometimes comes off a bit brash and cocky, I would say. Um, it's maybe not cocky, but definitely brash. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that's rooted in she is a very confident character. Um, she's very confident in her abilities, um, confident in her standing within the Jedi, which is why she gets shucking up so much when she eventually leaves, um, which we'll obviously talk about. But, um, you know, uh, I like what you said a lot there, Emily, that that is, you know, this uh, being a dual wielder is very much her own thing. And we never get any explicit explanation as to why that's something she chooses for herself. But it tells us something about her, though. The fact that she chooses that is she believes she's capable of it, right? Like, you're, yeah. you just pointed out that it's, and it's harder. Yeah. It's, you mean like dual wielding on its own, regardless of the reverse grips part, is harder than single blade you know, fighting with that, you need a lot more coordination and a lot more situational awareness um, to be able to dual weld. Assuming that lightsabers aren't weighted the same as like steel swords that we have, because um, then weight becomes a factor with steel swords. Um, but yeah, no, she masters dual wielding like fairly quickly and fairly easily. And it's something that uniquely hurts. And I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Oh, there's there's some really really interesting things that happen to her in those middle seasons. Uh, in addition to just being able to grow and 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 show her leadership ability, um, she you know she becomes closer friends with Padme. She becomes friends with Lux Bonteri, Um and then of course there's the uh, uh, the younglings arc where you know she she takes the younglings under her wing and has to shepherd them through this whole uh, you know thing with hondo and then grievous and get back to the jedi order after that you know it's she she really starts standing out uh not only as a leader but as a protector um i think and i think that's something that really kind of becomes clear as to who ahsoka is in these middle seasons is that she is a protector and she's always looking to protect the uh the weak or the um the, those who are being threatened and uh, that that are the, the innocent and things like that. So she's definitely someone who who sees a very strong sense of uh, of justice and right and wrong, and feels the the need to protect those who are overwhelmed by people or circumstances or things like that. And that's something I think that that we see throughout the rest of her character arc, even you know through rebels and beyond. So, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a really good point. Of like the clones that she's with in the 501st, um, like Captain Rex and everyone, I think that loyalty is most exemplified when she takes the 501st. Well, we haven't seen it yet, but when she takes part of the 501st to Mandalore and they paint their helmets with, um, her tattoo pattern. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's yeah, everyone that she's protective of, not just the people that um, I don't want to say weak, um, but yeah, the innocent and the people who aren't involved in the war. She's protective of everyone. Mm, I yeah. think that's really cool personality trait for her. Yeah, and and it definitely gets reciprocated, you know, by by people like Rex and and people and others. So yeah, yeah. well, in the the great episode uh, from season two, I believe where the introduction of the world's greatest bounty hunter, Embo, um, <laughs> you know, Ahsoka is really, really pissed 
that Obi-Wan makes the decision that they can't help those farmers, right? Like, what do you mean we can't help yeah. them, right? And, yeah. and, I, and I think that's something I also really love about Ahsoka is that even though she's being raised in this war experience, she also, like you both have pointed out, is, is really faithful to, though, to just doing what's right and what's, what's good, right? She, and I think that's part of her youth and innocence um, is that even though she is every day being tainted by a war, what child wouldn't be? She also still is this youthful, uh, optimistic, um, somewhat naive character, though, who just believes that, well, wait, this is the right thing. Why aren't we doing this? Right. Oh, I don't care. If, like, well, you see, because this, why, that and the other thing. And she's like, I don't care about that. Like, I care about what just what's doing, doing what's right. Um, and she kind of wins out. Right. Like she she wins out and kind of uh, it changes the minds of, of Obi-Wan. And, uh, you know, they they end up helping the farmers. Um, and, you know, also in that episode, she she gets that great line with I don't remember that. What's the name of the droid character that has the little alien on the inside? Do either of you? Uh, remember? Uh, oh, God, I, I had it. it Cassis, maybe I'm going to check sounds that. About, I, that sounds right. Um, but, I, you know, she even says to him, you know, it's not about it's it basically says something along the lines of like it's size isn't what matters. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, Ahsoka has this wisdom to her as well. Um, and that wisdom comes from the fact that she is young, right? Young people often say really wise things. They also say a lot of ridiculous things because they're young, but like children also have this beautiful sense of goodness that Ahsoka, I think also encapsulates. And, um, in a lot of ways, the Jedi kind of need her in something like the Clone Wars because they're, you know, think of think of the Mandalore arc when Obi Wan has to go help Satine because the Order won't. So Obi Wan kind of has to go rogue, right? It, they make they have to make those decisions because the system isn't going to support it. But you have characters like Ahsoka who aren't as concerned about the system and protecting the system as they are just about protecting people. Yeah. Um, that, that character's name is Serapis, not Serapis. That's right. Serapis, it's too heavy. Look out. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Cassis is a name for somebody else. I'll figure out who that is at a later point, but that, that is a character name. I know that, but this one is Serapis. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Back to what we were saying about Ahsoka. (laughs) I I made my point. (laughs) Um, so, uh, let's talk about her leaving the Jedi. Yeah, um, yeah, there's that. Um, I think it's the most important thing that Ahsoka does. I think I agree. It's yeah. it's the best. It's the moment where her character is, to me, the most incredible. Because the Jedi Order, and, and you know, we know that this is the story of the prequels. The Jedi Order is messed up, and yeah. the reason it falls apart is because of all of all of those problems and whatnot. Ahsoka is a victim of that. And and I choose that word purposefully because she is a victim. You know, in that moment when they're like, you know, you have Mace Windu, who's a piece of crap, um, and Kiri Mundi, and even Plo Koon, who was kind of like a, a faithful big uncle to her. Um, you know, they all kind of giving her this voice of, oh, well, the force was testing you through all this. And she's just like, F that. No, it wasn't. You all suck. I'm done. Like, that's obviously my interpretation of what her response is. She's not quite as crass. I think she ought to have been. But, uh, yeah, like, I think it's so important that she walks away 
Yeah. Um, and I think it's even more important because like that, that exchange between her and Anakin, I, I can't watch that moment and not at least tear up because it's so beautiful. And again, the music in that moment is so good that Kevin Kiner gave us. Um, but in that moment, right? Like, Anakin's, oh, you know, I know what it's, what it's like to want to leave the Jedi Order more than you know. And she's like, I know, which I think is literally her implying, like, I know what's going on with you, boy. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, oh, yeah. But I think what's kind of what makes her even stronger than Anakin is Anakin knows life outside the Jedi Order. Right. He came in at a later age than everyone else that's in the Order at that time. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka has been there since she was a baby. It's the only knife she's ever known. And she chooses to walk away from it because it was not good to her. And I just think that's such a powerful example, especially like Ahsoka was a character who was young, being kind of pitched to a new fandom in Star Wars, particularly young Star Wars fans. What a powerful message to tell young people that grew up with her that it's okay to walk away from systems, people, or relationships that weren't good to you because you're better than that. And that's exactly the, the example Ahsoka leaves, which to me is the crowning achievement of who this character is. It also speaks to her strength of knowing who she is, that, you know, like you said, Carl, her entire life has been defined by being a Jedi. Everyone that she considers family is part of the Jedi Order. And she still chooses to walk away from that. She still has enough self-confidence to say, this isn't good for me. I'm going to move on. I'm going to do something better for me. However form that ends up taking, she doesn't know at the time, but we know a little bit because we got Ahsoka novel and Rebels. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it speaks to a lot of her character and how strong she is as a person that she can just, she can say, no, this isn't good for me and walk away, make that decision for herself. Yeah. it, it It's just, that whole arc, I watched that just uh, like a week or week or two ago in my my uh, full Clone Wars watch through. Which that's, that was a beast to get through. Um, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of Clone Wars, folks. Just so you know, in case you were wondering. Um, but uh, I, I watched that just a, a few weeks ago, and it it is one of the most heartbreaking uh, you know arcs in the entire show. Because you know she's you know she's being framed for something that she didn't do, uh, you you know that she's innocent, but everything around her is deliberately pointing to her guilt, and only we're able to see, you know, where she didn't actually do it, and it's just it's just so painful and heartbreaking, and and we find out that not only. Was she falsely accused by, you know, not only the Republic, but the Jedi Order for these crimes that she did not commit, but that she was being framed by one of her best friends, you know, in Barriss Offee. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that could shatter and completely break anybody. But she does emerge stronger from all of this, you know. Every her faith in the order, her trust in the people around her is shaken, but her foundation, who she is, remains intact. Um, and that is what gives her the strength to say no when she's offered 
the chance to come back. And I got to say, I really just got to go on a side tangent here. Uh, between this arc and the Yoda arc in season six, Kiari Mundi is a jerk. Kitty Mundi is an <laughs> idiot and needs to stop talking. Uh, Don't worry, he gets killed. Oh, good. He gets gunned oh, down good. by his own troops. I, uh, oh, I mean, uh, he he's one of the the primary you know uh, antagonists against Ahsoka in in this arc, and then when Yoda starts you know being concerned about you know the hearing the voices of Qui Gon and things like that in this journey he has to go on. Kitty Money's like, oh, he's being influenced by the Sith, you know, the whole time. And Kitty Money, you don't know, you know nothing, Kitty Money, <laughs> you know nothing. Um, but anyway, I just that's just a sidebar. I, I gotta, oh, and then he has the audacity with with Mace Windu to say, "This was your great trial. You passed with flying colors. Welcome back." Yeah, just stop it. Right. Yeah. Oh, right. that that makes me so you, mad. You know, like, I I I physically was getting like angry <laughs> when they were saying that. I was like, "You are a bunch of pompous." I, I'm I'm going to stop talking because I'm going to chew them out. Um, but yeah, I, I was yeah. so happy when she made the decision because you know, on the one hand, you're very angry at Mace and Kitty Mundi and the Jedi Council, but then you don't. But Anakin is just being so like open and vulnerable and like, but I, I want them to, to stay together, but it's not good for her. And she makes the right decision. And it's such a heartbreaking moment, uh, but also a very strong and powerful moment. And um, that is that moment defines who she becomes for the rest of her arc that we've seen so far. Yeah, it's funny that you have all these Jedi Masters telling her it was her test. I think that was their test, and they failed. <laughs> you know. Yep. Um, yep. So, but they're too arrogant to see that. So, yeah, uh, I. And that's where, and that's where Yoda's depression starts setting in after that. <laughs> in, in the series, Yoda Yoda starts going like, "Oh, this just sucks. Everything is terrible." And that I'm kind of nine hundred years old, and I still have to deal with this. Yeah. yeah, he he starts just getting like uh, this war and everything going on with it. He, that's kind of the 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 way Ahsoka left, kind of, and the whole situation affected yeah. Yoda deeply. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, I think we move on, or unless yeah, anybody else no. has anything to say about this arc. Well, I, I was going to say we should touch on the novel here briefly. Um, mm-hmm. I, and obviously, well, we're we're currently we're just diving into this arc right after she leaves and what that's going to look like for her. And um, I'm, we've only gotten one episode. Um, but even within that episode, you know, you do get the sense that she is inherently looking for connections with people. Right. I think yeah. it just makes sense. That's who Ahsoka is. Um, you know, she's always built these strong relationships with people. So it makes sense that she's going to want to align herself with other people. Um, And she's obviously going to be reluctant about using the force um, because she probably doesn't want to draw any of that kind of attention to her. Um, But it is great in that episode where you, you know, uh, I can't remember the name of that new character with the haircut. Um, Trace. Trace. Thank you, Emily. 
Um, but she, you know, she says like, oh, you don't want to be up there with the Jedi and who start those wars. And Ahsoka noticed how she quickly comes to their defense, though, right? She still obviously cares about the Jedi Order. She's like, they don't start the wars there, you know. But, you know, you're getting that reflection back, which is something that this is something that was really well flushed out throughout the entire Clone Wars series, which is you know, the galaxy's response to the Jedi because of this war, right? And their their very quick declining opinion of the Jedi because of their involvement in a war. Um, and here you have it even from somebody who just lives on Coruscant and Ahsoka's, you know, her initial response is one of defense. She's going to defend the family that she's been with pretty much her whole life. But then she she now realizes that that family isn't perfect. <laughs> you know, that's why she walked away from it. Um, and... Here you see her with this character who's like, oh, that's true. I guess they aren't doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Um, which, I, I, again, this is me just making a, a, a prediction, but I, it'd be kind of neat to see as this this particular arc plays out that, of course, Ahsoka is going to start to see that the Jedi aren't perfect and she's going to feel more and more confirmed in her decision to have left. Right. Um, I don't think she's going to hate the Jedi. I don't think that's in Ahsoka's blood. But I think that maybe this arc will be about showing how Ahsoka knows confidently that she's made the right choice, that walking away from the Jedi Order was the right choice. Yeah. Because how could she not be thinking that? Right. How can you not be asking those questions? Um, I mean, she says to Anakin, I have to figure this out on my own without you and without anybody. I have to figure this out for me. So. That's kind of the last thing she said. So now we pick up with her right after that. This is her trying to figure things out for herself. And I feel like the biggest question she needs to ask herself, um, or at least that I'd be asking myself if I was in her shoes, is did I make the right choice? Um, so yeah. uh, hopefully that might be a little bit of what this arc is about, is her really knowing she made the right choice. Well, and here's here's the interesting thing, though. And obviously we don't know how this arc is going to play out um, yet. Uh, but she ends up getting kind of sucked back into her old role for for what's going to be the the final arc of the Clone Wars with the the Mandalore arc. You know, she kind of gets sucked back into her old job essentially um, for one very final climactic, you know, and and insane. Uh, you know, story that we're going to get. Uh, we know we know bits and pieces of it from the Ahsoka novel, uh, but then she's kind of just thrust back out to where she is at the point in the episode that we just got uh, on Friday. So um, it, she she kind of gets a little bit of a false start, maybe. Uh, but we'll see how that all plays out and how she gets wrapped up in it. But you know, it it's it's just very interesting that you know she looks to try and be trying to make uh, an attempt to try and, and figure out where she is on her own. And if she made the right decision and then she immediately almost gets pulled right back in for one last thing, you know, and I don't know how that's going to, you know, yeah, I would work out with her. And it, I'm very interested to see what that's going to do with Ahsoka. Um, so, and, and why she, and it will kind of help explain kind of like why she's so still, seems so fresh and confused at the beginning of the Ahsoka novel, um, you know, because she was out, then she was back in, then she was out again, you know. Um, so I don't know. It's it's just very interesting. Yeah. Let's dive into that novel. Um, 
Emily, you've read it, right? Yeah, a few times. Oh, excuse me. (laughs) The Ahsoka novel is my favorite of the Disney canon novels. So, yeah, I've read it a couple of times. Nice. I I have to agree with you. I think it's the best so far as well. Um, uh, Why? What what is it about that? Because obviously I feel like that's what probably really helped you solidify that, that love you have for this character. What are some of the things that you can remember that really did that for you with that novel? Um, I mean, it's part the author. E.K. Johnson is an author that I've read before, and I like her a lot. Um, But it's also, I love how we get Ahsoka in a setting that's atypical from what we knew of her in Clone Wars. We get her kind of adjusting to life on the Outer Rim, where she's not using the Force as much. She's trying to adjust to, quote-unquote, normal people, um, because she spent most of her life around either Jedi or soldiers. Um, so she's trying to adjust to people that she hasn't had a lot of interaction with. And then she keeps reaching. One of the things that I remember from that novel a lot is um, she keeps reaching for her force bond with Anakin, but it's not there anymore because she, she thinks Anakin's dead. We know Anakin is Darth Vader, but I always loved how she kept reaching for that one thing that's familiar to her in all of these unfamiliar situations, which is such a very young person going out into the world thing to do is when you're in something unfamiliar to reach back to what you know well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's so true. I forgot about that. I forgot that she tries to make those connections to Anakin. Um, yeah. Ah, it's kind of like Ahsoka in her own little be with me moment. Um, <laughs> I love that stuff with Ray. Um, but no, this is about Ahsoka. But yeah, that's so that's so true, Emily. Of course, like she's gonna kind of resort to um things that she did in the past that helped her feel connected. Um, but they're just not there because Anakin's not there. Um, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Uh you know, I think and, and that that, that kind of like leads me to the thing I appreciate most about the novel, and it has been a while since I've read it, um, but the thing that I really enjoyed was Ahsoka's quest kind of in this book is to figure out what does it mean to be a force user and not be a Jedi, right? Yeah. Which I think is so cool. And and this is something that I really give props to Disney on. Disney is the, is, you know, the one that's really kind of raised this question. They did it first with force awakens, which was Maz Kanata, right? I love her character. Um, someone who can know and feel the force, but isn't a Jedi. Um, so I love that this is Ahsoka navigating those waters of, I can still feel the force. I also remember it being brought up in the book that, uh, the force though is a discipline and Ahsoka's kind of lost some of that discipline. So she struggles to use the force initially in the book, which I think is also really cool. And it's a nice reminder, like as somebody who I I obviously very much cherish my, my spiritual life, it is a discipline. And, you know, if, if I get into like a really busy period of life and like, let's say I don't have time to pray for like a week straight, getting back into it, it, it takes a little bit, it takes a day or two to kind of get back into that rhythm because there is a discipline to it. So I love that there's this notion that, you know, if you're not keeping yourself immersed in the force and kind of in the in the movements of its flow, it takes a little bit to get back into it. Um, and and I think that's just fascinating. And so what Ahsoka's figuring out is, uh, and I th- I feel like part of the thing she's even coming to reconcile is, am I allowed to use the Force since I'm not a Jedi, right? Like, it, it, is the Force even going to reach out to me? Does the Force care about me now that I've walked away? 
And the answer is a resounding yes. Of course, the force still cares about you and still yeah. wants to work through you and with you. Um, and I think she comes to obviously learn that by the end of the book and and, and the actions that she takes. Um, and you know, uh, she's able to best an inquisitor without a lightsaber. Like it's pretty awesome. <laughs> Um, yeah, that is one of my favorite moments in the book. <laughs> I, I, I've got a couple favorite moments that that's pretty high, but I, I love when she purifies the crystals, the lightsaber crystals. That's amazing. And then this is just because R2 is my favorite character when she finds R2 on Baylor Gana's ship and they they get their moments of to reconnect. I nearly lost it uh, reading that. But um that's that's just because R2 is my favorite. Um, but uh, yeah, no, there's some awesome moments in that book. And of course, you know, in addition to being able to to save the the, the villagers that she's with, uh, best the Inquisitor gets some new lightsabers. She also meets and starts having her first you know initial connections with Bail Organa, who starts setting up this whole fulcrum thing with her, and that's cool. Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, she, her, her talents and skills are uh, important, and she. I don't know if she feels as if she would have been wasted, you know, living, you know, in a uh, far-flung village, uh, you know, being the the local mechanic, but she definitely is able to fulfill more of her potential with her skill set, you know, as, as a spy and, you know, something like that for, you know, the rebels, the fledgling rebels as fulcrum. So, yeah, it definitely fits her character uh, to be fulcrum. Yes. Uh, Her whole idea of doing good and protecting those that need protecting are very much values of the rebellion that she's carried over from being a Jedi and fits into her new role as Fulcrum. Yeah. No, yeah, I know it's, it's pretty cool. Um, how that all kind of, everything kind of crystallizes for Ahsoka, I think in the novel. And she's like, yep, no, I, I'm not just here to live a life and get by. I do still have purpose. And, uh, you know, to to be involved in big things um and even without being a jedi and then are we done talking about the novel want to move into rebels a bit i just wanted to make one last point about the novel sure um, and because in the novel we learn how she gets their white lightsaber yeah um, which is great and you know we obviously have now learned through the darth vader comic how a sith makes their red blade as they make the kyber bleed well, yeah. in the Ahsoka novel, we learn that you can also heal a blood kyber crystal. And I, I really like this because in a way, to me, it shows that Ahsoka is the character who undoes the violence that's been done in the name of the Force. Um, and, and I mean that for both Jedi and Sith, right? Um, that Ahsoka is kind of reclaiming the Force in its purity. Um, and now I guess a Jedi could do this as well. We've yet to see a Jedi do it. Um, you know, Ahsoka's the first person that we know of that I'm aware of in canon who uh, figured out how to do that. And I don't remember how she knew how to do it. Do either of you remember 
Is that something she had learned? Is it something she just knew how to do? I, I, I want to say it was through the force, but don't quote yeah. me on that. Yeah, I, I, I do want to. I, I, I'm, Hold on. I'm, I feel like I'm that's, writing down sorry. a quote from Emily really quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it was one of those things where we really start hearing, you know, getting to know the idea that the, the Kyber's call to people. Mm. Um, she'd been yeah. hearing right. these particular crystals calling out to yeah. her. Um, and so when she finally got them and, you know, they, but they were calling out and it was, it was, you know, discordant and, uh, you know, pained and things like that. Um, so when she finally got them, she was able to to focus in on them and through the force, you know, and the, the connection, the call to her from the crystals themselves uh, was able to to purify them and heal them and produce the white uh, blade uh, rather than the red one. So if I recall correctly, that's how that happened. It wasn't anything specific that was taught or learned or anything like that, anything she discovered. Um, but it's been a few years since I've read it, so yeah, um, could be wrong. But I, I think it was just sort of a, a force intuition sort of, yeah. this is what needs to happen. I think I need the, to read and it. And it was very quick, too, because it was in the heat of like you know conflict and battle that it all happened, too. And she was like, okay purify put them in my saber we're ready to go so yeah i feel like i need to revisit this novel that might happen tonight not all yeah. night but um, <laughs> yeah no but i i just again want to like hit on that point though this is what i love about ahsoka's character and what she's turned into because she's not part of the jedi is that she is the character that's fixing the violence that was done in both the jedi and sith's names um, and, and I like that in a contemporary context because as a person of faith, as a person of a Christian faith, there are so many fake Christians out there doing violence in the name of Christianity. Um, and I mean violence in all its forms, um, from intolerance to actual physical violence. And nothing drives me more crazy than fake Christians. So I love this point with Ahsoka where – um, she's living in a galaxy that is very wary of the force, very wary of the force because of specifically the Jedi. Um, yeah. And here you have a propaganda about them. Right. Well, yeah. and some of that propaganda is true. <laughs> like they led a war, <laughs> you know, um, they're they're contradicting their own uh, mode of being. Um, so you have Ahsoka who's bringing something back to its purity. And, and I love that. So. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then then there's a rebel. Ful- yep. Then, then there's rebels. <laughs> then there's, there's rebels, and she makes her appearance as Fulcrum. Uh, yes. And I was not one of the people who was like, "Of course, Ahsoka's Fulcrum." You know, I was like, ah, "I don't know. It could be any number of people. She's one of the people on the list." But I, I didn't necessarily think it was going to be Ahsoka at first. Until we started getting much, much closer to the reveal. And I was like, it's quite possibly Ahsoka. Um, did anybody else think that? <laughs> uh, I did not watch Rebels when it was coming out. I watched them later on. So uh, I had already known that Ahsoka was going to be Fulcrum. So Carl? that part had gotten spoiled for me. Uh, I can't remember. I, I honestly, I feel like I was surprised. 
I yeah. mean, as soon as we saw the legs coming down the ladder and you saw that lightsaber, I knew it was Ahsoka. But I mean, a second right. later, you knew it was Ahsoka anyway. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but yeah, I don't feel like I, I knew that beforehand. Because um, right when they're having the contact with Fulcrum and obviously there's a voice changing going on. Um, yes. I was like, oh, who is Fulcrum? This is so fascinating. Who's it going to be? Um, and it made perfect sense when it was Ahsoka, considering this is Dave Filoni's like, you know, creation child. Um but yeah, I thought it, and, and like you said, Emily, it, of course, that's what she becomes. Yeah. Yeah. She's fighting the good fight, right? Because there is, she is like, we've been talking, like we were talking about at the top of the show. She was a Jedi who grew up in, a, in the midst of war. War has visited the galaxy again. Well, an oppressive force has visited the galaxy again. Of course, Ahsoka knows what it means to be a warrior for the good. So of course she signs up with the good people to fight the yes. fight. But I love how she's not a frontline soldier during the rebellion. You know, she's a spy. She's behind the scenes. Uh, we don't know who she is at first. We don't know who Fulcrum is. Whereas you would know if there was a Jedi on the front lines. That was part of Kanan's whole big reveal. Um, so right. kind of interesting how her role in war has changed from Clone Wars to the rebellion era. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, because the Jedi and the Clone Wars were all frontline sort of a, of a deal. Uh, you know, they were clones were trained to be able to fight behind a Jedi, um, and here she is in the shadows, in the the you know the the even from other rebels. You know, they don't know her identity, or you know, very few people do, um, and. I do like the fact that as she, you know, joins up with the the ghost crew, uh, you know, Kanan and Ezra are very much, you know, trying to get, you know, teaching and guidance from her in the ways of the Force. And she's like, I'm not a Jedi. I'm not a Jedi anymore. I can't help right. you with that. You know, and she, you know, even though she was a Jedi and she still retains a lot of those powers and skills and things like that and can still access the Force uh, like a Jedi – she is very clearly, you know, set herself outside of those uh, that definition. She's not a Jedi anymore, and she tells everybody that she's like, "I'm not a Jedi," um, and it's very. However, because she is involved and gets involved with this crew, that puts her on a collision course with her old master. Yeah. So sure does. and. Yeah, and that that moment when she reaches out and touches him in the force during the that space battle the first time, and passes uh, out. Yeah, she passes out, and it's it's not you know, she covers it up, and she doesn't want to believe it, but she knows who it is. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Were you gonna say something, Emily? Uh, no, it's just agreeing. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. I I'd forgotten that point, Jason. I, I love that you brought that up. That Kanan and Ezra are kind of fixated on her as like, "Whoa, you're a Jedi. You can do this." And no, I'm not. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, that's a great point. That she she still very much lives with the identity that I'm not a Jedi, and yet she carries a lightsabers. And like again, I just like I love what she means for the Force. Um, and um. I think what's uh, I, I was rewatching a few episodes just this past week 
with her in it just to try to get a better sense of you know how she's she's used in rebels i just gotta say i love when she shows up and kicks the crap out of the seventh seventh brother and second sister whoever it is Um, yes and it's a great it's a great moment too because the doors open that you know kane and ezra can't open this door and then it just starts to open and all this light comes bursting out right like ahsoka's bathed in this light um, and she just hops in and just kicks the crap out of him, which is awesome. It's, it's not even a contest. Yeah. And she's barely oh, breathing no hard. Contest. Yeah. You it know. is no contest. Right. Um, and yeah. And, and like, of course now Vader's got her scent. Um, so like you said, Jason, she is on this collision course with her old master. Um, a point I just wanted to make that I was, I was just thinking this, um, you know, again, the fact that she refuses to give them Jedi training because she doesn't identify as a Jedi. Um, I think that's still really important that, you know, now this is this is years later. Um, this is a good decade after she's left the Jedi Order and, you know, Clone Wars has ended. And yet she still chooses not to claim to be a Jedi, even though she, she kind of fits the bill, right? She looks like one. She kind of still dresses like one. She's got lightsabers. She uses the force. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I feel like it's it's really powerful because she really chose that decision that she made back in the Clone Wars. She walked away from something that wasn't good for her. And um, whether or not she is a hundred percent right. Like she, maybe she should have come back. Maybe she should be out there trying to rethink what it means to be Jedi. She's living by that decision. And it makes me respect her even more. Um, not because I think the Jedi are inherently evil or wrong, but what they did to Ahsoka is really bad. And I think I just, I just got nothing but respect for the fact that she's still living out that truth that she made probably a decade before. Um, you know, she doesn't renounce all their ideals. She's still fighting for the good. She's still trying to she's fighting for the light. Right. Um, that hasn't changed. And yet she chooses not to identify as a Jedi. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's pretty great. She is. And in a, in a sense, uh, even even before she has her confrontation with with Vader, she gets a little bit of of closure on her her life as a jedi just a little bit um when they go to the jedi temple on lothal and first she first she has the vision with anakin who turns into vader as she you know confronts what she knows but refuses to accept um but then as they're leaving the temple yoda you know sees her and smiles and waves and you know she's she's able to have one last connection with yoda almost directly you know as they're escaping the temple and it's it says so much um with you know just a few seconds of screen time so she she's able to you know have a little bit of closure on that uh and they they part ways, you know, in a, in a sense, you know, very amicably and still as friends. So yeah, it's just a nice little moment that I wanted to make sure to bring up. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well then how about with the way her story kind of ends with rebels, with that final confrontation with Vader? Um, it's rough. Yeah. As one of my favorite duels in star Wars is really? Ahsoka versus Vader on Malachor. Um, 
it's excellent because the assumption that Ahsoka is Anakin's Padawan, uh, they've probably sparred before in the past. And in some ways, this is kind of similar to um, Duel of the Heroes and Revenge of the Sith of two people who have known each other for a very long time, finally facing off one last time. Um, this is almost similar to that in the Master and Apprentice reflections and in how Ahsoka and Obi-Wan both strongly stay in the light, but Ahsoka's accepted the fact that she's not the one that's able to bring Anakin back, whereas Obi-Wan keeps almost trying to. Mm. Um, you know, yeah, Ahsoka at first doesn't want to believe that Anakin is Darth Vader now, but she accepts that fact, and she accepts that I'm not the one that can bring you back to the light, but I might be the one that's able to stop you once mm. and for all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, I, I, I got to say, go ahead, this, and, and it, it might tick some people off, and I, and I don't mean to, but I still kind of wish Vader had killed her in that fight. Not because I don't like Ahsoka. I mean, hopefully that's coming across that I obviously love this character. Um, I, I, I still just feel like she was brought into Star Wars as a way of kind of common. I want to be careful with this because I don't mean to imply that she doesn't have agency on her own because, of course, she does. But I think part of the reason she was brought into the saga, we talked about this a little bit ago, is it was a commentary on Anakin, right? It was about his story. So I feel like it would have been a really powerful way for her story to end with this person that trained her and believed in her and trusted her and vice versa falls to evil and then kills her again. Like this was something I said years ago when we were getting close to the finale of rebels and um, not finale, but the finale of season two of rebels. And we knew that they were going to fight. And I said like, Oh gee, I, I kind of hope Vader kills her just because again, it shows that Anakin's dead, right? Like the Anakin really is gone. Um, but that's not the route they chose to tape to make. Um, that's cool. Like I'm excited to see what this means. Cause obviously Ahsoka still has a future. I you know, we, we get a, a, a glimpse of that at the finale of Rebels itself. Um, we know that she's – we've got these rumors coming out that she's going to be in season two of Mandalorian. Like we know she survives for a while. Um, I can't remember exactly how it happens. I know it has to do with World Between Worlds, which I think is the dumbest thing ever in Star Wars. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> I, I don't care. Like I have to own that for me. I think the World Between Worlds is the stupidest thing that's ever been done to Star Wars. It is pure fantasy. It is not Star Wars, um, in my opinion. I know there are people that love it and good. Like I'm glad that you do. I wish that I could because I think that there are huge implications. But I, it just, oh, my God. Could, nothing has never not worked for me in Star Wars the way that World Between Worlds does. Um, but that being said... Um, you know, I'm glad that Ahsoka lives because I think, again, all these things we've been talking about, um, we'll get to see a different type of fruition that we have this really powerful force user still in the galaxy. Who's not a Jedi. And what's that going to look like? What does that mean? Um, but you know, she walks away from that fight with Vader, which is also interesting too, is like, I just, I don't get it. Like Vader walks away obviously too. Um, but do either of you remember what happens in World Between Worlds? Does does she literally get pulled Ezra out? Ezra pulls her through okay, into yeah. the World Between Worlds, and then she goes back to her time and promises to find him, and that's how we end up at the end of Rebels with her and Sabine teaming up to go find Ezra after 
he launched himself into deep space with the pergos and throne. Got it. But does does Ezra pull her out? Is like she's about to be killed or anything like that, or does he just pull her out? Yes. Well, um, he, he pulls I, I her was... out as the as the place is about to blow. Okay. Yeah. Because because the you know the temple kind of blows up at the top. Um, right. You know, and that's why Vader walks away. You know, mask all busted and everything, and so he pulls her through right as it's about to blow up. Um, and yeah, I, I think Vader's about to do a killing blow too. It's it's sort of a you know, a uh, simultaneous thing. But yeah, he's about to kill her and it's about to blow and Ezra just yanks her through into the world between the worlds. And Palpatine kind of like tries to get them uh, there too, but that's neither here nor there. Right. Yeah. But I'll say is if you like World Between Worlds, but you don't like Palpatine being back in Revenge of uh, Rise of Skywalker, that makes no sense to me because they're both ridiculously silly. <laughs> um, I feel like the Emperor works way better than World Between Worlds because there's at least been some groundwork for that, whereas World Between Worlds is just like, hey, do you want some pure fantasy in your Star Wars? And my response was, no, thank you. <laughs> um, but You're welcome to be wrong, Carl, but no, that's just me. <laughs> hey. I do like World Between Worlds. That's great. It's stupid, but um, I need to watch it again. So I don't because it's disgusting. But uh, sorry, I'm being such a jerk. I'm sorry, Carl. (laughs) No, I again, it just it doesn't work for me. Um, And I know others that feel the same way, but I know lots of others who really, really dig it, and that's cool too. Um, But yeah, I mean, you had to find a way to get it. If if you want Ahsoka to live, you've got to find a way to do that. So I think this is a creative way to do it. Um, But um, yeah, I really like what you said, Emily, though, that Ahsoka knows she can't turn Anakin, but she could try yeah. at least to stop him. Um, but she's not strong enough to stop him, um, which I think is important too, right? Like she can't be or else Luke's not necessary. <laughs> um, yeah. and Luke is necessary. Um, yeah. so, uh, I think. Yeah, there. That's kind of a strong correlation to Last Jedi, right? When Luke shows up and tells Leia that he can't save Ben, but he's not there to save him; he's there to just stall him, right? So, um, anyway, so yeah, it's and, it, and and then it's interesting because if I recall correctly, in Rebels, she, uh, you know, she jumps back into her own time on Malachor. She does not necessarily run back to uh, the rebels and take up her position as fulcrum again. She's, you know, noted this as another point to uh, turn the page, to start a new chapter in her life, um, which is when she shows up in the, uh, you know, the sort of epilogue to rebels as Ahsoka the White, um, you know get a little Gandalf in there. Uh, but you know, and we don't really know what that means yet. We don't know, you know, why, why she's showing up like that and what, what the point of that is. So it, it, and, and what her goals are, uh, in that, you know, that guys yet. So it's, it's, uh, a story that has yet to be told. And, Maybe we'll get more of that soon. Maybe it'll be later. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, any any final thoughts from either of you about Ahsoka before we wrap this up? I 
just love her so much. <laughs> she's uh, she's a fantastic character, and there are huge portions of her story that have yet to be told that can be told. Um, whether or not those stories will be told, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, although if Dave Filoni has anything to say about it, they will all be told uh, one way or the other. So, <laughs> so as long as he's working in Star Wars, Ahsoka's story is going to happen somewhere, um, and and I'm okay with that. So I'm I'm very interested and very excited to see uh, these last uh, episodes of the Clone Wars. Very excited to see how that all turns out uh, for many reasons, one of which – one of the big reasons is Ahsoka. Um, and I'm just very looking forward to seeing how her story concludes if we get that conclusion. Yeah. All yeah. Right. Final question for both of you. Emily, you get to yes. go first. Um, why does Ahsoka matter to you? So – this is a character that all three of us like for different reasons. So why – if there's one thing about Ahsoka – and I'm sure there are several things. But if there's one thing about Ahsoka that really stands out to you, that makes her very important to you in her character, what would you say that is? Um, how much she's grown over the years and how much her growth has been a parallel to my growing up. Because she wasn't all that older than me in 2008 when Clone Wars came out. And she's probably not all that older than me in at the end of Rebels. Um, so, yeah, that's the most important part of Ahsoka for me is how much she's grown from a teenager to an adult, how much she's grown into herself, and how much that's been a parallel to me growing up. Love it. Jason? Oh, man. I, I love her as another view into uh, the Jedi uh, and and kind of how they operate and um, what it mean you know what it means to be a Jedi during the Clone Wars and things like that and that's just one of my favorite eras mm-hmm. and you know she's she is essentially the main character of the Clone Wars uh, up until she leaves the Order um, and the just that whole aspect of it, it and I, you know I love her for so many other reasons but I think that the, the the big thing is I, I liked being able to get the peek kind of behind the curtain and kind of see how uh, the Jedi operated and acted during the Clone Wars and, you know, how someone growing up during that time would feel about that and think about that, you know. Um, and so there's just a lot in there that I, I really enjoy. Nice. What about you, Carl? Uh, it's it's kind of the point I, I made earlier on, but uh, again, it's I, I love that she teaches us that it's it's okay and a good thing to walk away from systems that hurt you, um, or or people that hurt you, whatever it might be. It's it's a good thing to walk away and to believe that there's something even better out there for you, and that um, you know the the force is still at work in your story. Um, so that's what I love about Ahsoka. Um, so that being said, if you've listened to this whole episode, which obviously if you're here, you have, um, (laughs) we'd love to hear what you love about Ahsoka. You know, what is it, what is it about this character that maybe connects for you? Um, because again, all of us are going to have different responses to that question and, and 
Uh, I think Ahsoka is a very powerful character that uh, we all can learn a lot from. So as always, you know, feel free to share us, you know, those thoughts of yours about Ahsoka or, or even just moments that you loved about her. You know, obviously we didn't get into t- a ton of specific moments uh, on the episode today, but um, you know, maybe there's some that you're just like, Oh my gosh, I love when she did this. Tell us, we'd love to hear about it. So <laughs> yeah. 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 And maybe it'll inspire us to do a top five Ahsoka moments episode. Who knows? Ooh, I don't yeah. know. We'll that's have, uh, that's we'll a possibility. Have, we'll have to have Emily back for that then. <laughs> yes, indeed. I might have to marathon a lot of Clone Wars and Rebels before that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give it some time because I will too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, and yes, folks, we do know there is the big rumor that Ahsoka might be coming back for Mandalorian. It is, of course, still a rumor at this point. So we're not really going to talk about it because we're talking about what we know uh, about Ahsoka at this point. So that's why we didn't really discuss that in this episode. So don't don't say you talked about Ahsoka and didn't bring up the fact that she's going to be in Mandalorian. That's a rumor. Stop it, folks. Yeah. Wait till it's officially announced or we just, just or just wait and see if it actually happens. Right. No. Yep. Surprise yourself once in a while. <laughs> um, anyway, that's all I've got. Uh, Carl, if people want to weigh in on anything Ahsoka that we talked about in this episode or anything else that we didn't mention in Ahsoka or just anything else in general in Star Wars, where can people get in touch with us? Uh, we are on Twitter at Wampas Lair. Um, we're on Facebook, Wampas Lair Podcast. You can always send us an email at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. Emily, if people want to hear about your struggles with online classes and Star Wars, um, where can they find you in Twitter? Uh, I'm on Twitter as at the Ace Jedi, and it's mostly dog pictures right now. You do have a uh, cute puppy at home. Well, yes. That, and that is perfectly fine. Dog pic- pictures are amazing. Um, all right. That's all I've got. Anything else, ladies and gentlemen? I had a blast, guys. Yeah, I'm glad you were here. Thanks for coming on. Thanks Thanks for for having me. Yes, thank you so much, Emily. Uh, And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This has been episode number 375, Lady Tano. For Carl, Emily, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. Wampus Lair.